What number is this? That's my job to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's going to be the beginning of the podcast now. <laughs> that wrote itself. Hey guys, welcome to the Every Plant Story podcast, uh, the podcast where we share all kinds of plant stories, uh, not only from us here at Gabriella Plants, but all around our plant community. We have a very special guest today we're going to get to in just a little bit. But first, my name is Shane Malloy. I'm the owner and president of Gabriella Plants. And back as co-host today on this week's podcast episode is Brett, our head grower at Gabriella Plants for Hi guys. this year, as well as Zach, our media director Gabriella Plants. What's up? How are you gentlemen doing? <laughs> Wonderful. Fantastic. Re- really excited for this. Yeah, I'm super excited for this interview with Franco over at Ill Exotics. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Uh, some couple quick housekeeping. One, uh, if cold weather is mm-hmm. rolling through, um, greenhouses didn't get too bad. All nope. the plants are safe here. Um, we still have a couple more weeks in, in Central Florida before we see anything, but if temperatures are taking their you know, turn towards the worst where you live. Definitely the time of year to know that our winter insurance is back uh, in stock. So it covers up to six plants and gives us the uh, resources to be able to include extra packaging materials. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll heat check packs, the weather at the time we go to ship it. And if it needs to heat pack, we'll we'll use heat packs. And one other thing I just wanted to throw in there, um, we, not, we don't just use the standard 72-hour heat packs. We realize that, especially surrounding the holidays, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of trepidation of, of just simple delivery times not coming through okay. Um, so if you're somebody like that, um, that has those longer than usual um, turnaround times or, or delivery windows mm-hmm. in your local area, feel free to reply to your order confirmation. Let Miriam or our customer care team know. They can make sure we get it out on a Monday, even if that means holding it an extra mm-hmm. week or something, just so we give it enough days. And currently we use um, four and five day heat packs. Yeah, it's um, 96 and 120 hour. Yeah, for, for the majority of all orders. And the other nice thing and the primary reason we actually use the minimum of the 96 rather than the 72, mm-hmm. um, despite being quite a bit more expensive than the 72s, are because they have a higher peak heat. Hmm. Um, the 72s burn a little bit hotter to the touch. So um, we've found a lot less burning on oh, plants good. with the 96s and stuff. So just wanted people to th- uh, to know that it um, if you do get the winter insurance, we have all types of heat packs, all different mm-hmm. types of tools to make sure that despite whatever situation it's going to in your specific locale, we're set for it. So feel free to have full confidence ordering from the website and just adding that $6 um, to cover six plants. For so, sure. Awesome. Uh, with that, Zach, any other uh, big things on our calendar on the media end? I know uh, we have a lot to announce in the upcoming couple weeks as we get to the end of October here. But Yeah, definitely uh, keep an eye out for the end of this month. Definitely a lot of... Uh a lot of requests. I was going to say, what can I say? What yeah. can I say? Like, a lot of, a lot of. Uh, I wouldn't say questions answered, but requests mm-hmm. answered. Yes, yeah, yeah. We have been seeing, yeah, all of your comments on, you know, all of our social media about certain types of video and, um, and, and content we can put out, and, and the workshops we've been offering yes, in workshops. person, and that Brett's mm-hmm. been building. And by the way, fantastic job on those workshops. Like they okay. are just so rich. And botanical knowledge as well as being hands-on mm-hmm. um but yeah a lot of people who aren't in central florida uh, that's been a big request too mm-hmm. is like how, how how can we get in on 
the workshop. So mm-hmm. we hear all that. We got a lot coming for you guys. So stay, stay tuned. tuned. <laughs> for sure. Uh, as we all stare at each other, like, are we allowed to say that? Yeah. <laughs> I was looking around for Robert. I was like, where's the, uh, the Oh, he's over up. at the Can greenhouse I? today. He's, uh, he's doing the rest of the electric in the Philly house. Mm. I only know because so I talked to him towns. before I got, walked in here. So, uh, anyways, with that, guys, uh, you want to go ahead and jump into the interview with Franco over at Alexander's? Let's do it. All yep. right. All right. Hey, guys. Uh, today on the podcast, we have a very special guest, Franco Urban of Ill Exotics, based out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Ill Exo- I've been there. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was their old shop. I'm sure we'll get to that. But uh-huh. I, I've been there, so I'm, I've been super, super excited about I know. This. I'm excited to go back Sorry, and I'm already see, the, see the new shop. But so Ill Exotics is a boutique shop located in Philadelphia with a goal and focus to provide quality Captive bred exotic pets and healthy houseplants from around the world to our customers. They grow and source uncommon tropical plants from aeroids to orchids and fauna ranging from chameleons to dart frogs and invertebrates. Their business philosophy is centered around urban sustainability and also to educate regarding keeping reptiles and amphibians as pets. They're, they are always there to answer any and all questions you may have in relation to your new exotic acquisition they strive to set everyone up for success and so i mean i think that uh that intro is an understatement because you guys do such an (laughs) you guys do such an amazing job just with the care and quality of the animals and plants that you guys bring in um so i really just want to start thank you welcome to the podcast though what is the what is your origin story? I mean, I want to know. I want to know how you got yeah, into how it got and here. how not, Ill, Ill Exotics. You I was going to say started. how you got here, but like not on the podcast, but like how, how you <laughs> yes. got to wherever you are. Yeah, that, that's the story we want. Got it. Got it. So I uh, went to. So let's start with growing up. Um, I was always very nature focused. You know, I was not a kid that grew up watching Disney movies. <laughs> I grew up watching David Attenborough, if you will. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where it all started. I went to school at Stockton University in New Jersey and obtained my degree in biology. And with that, I worked in cut flowers for a while. And then I also worked in uh, several different pet stores. And kind of doing all of that, I realized what big box pet stores and what a lot of plant stores were lacking was the education factor. So um, I moved to the city, met my partner, Christopher, and he kind of fueled the fire for me. And he was like, I think we have something special and we can do this. So Ill Exotics was um, born kind of caution to the wind. We <laughs> opened we opened we opened this company on a credit card four years ago, um, and we pro- wanted to really just show people the proper way to take care of these animals and to the ethics behind it of sourcing captive bred or captive breeding it ourselves and the same with plants and the ethics behind that and to especially in the present with things such as aeroids and poaching being so prevalent um it's just all about sharing 
a respect for nature and helping these people um, really tap into that. Right, Cult- cultivate, for- cultivating their understanding and you know the love and care it, it, that these things should should receive. And it's so neat that it, that it that it's a two for one. That it's both. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And not only is, do you offer both, which I feel like as much as that's something to accomplish in and of Mm. its own right, you could do that, but not do that well or not know, or, you know, have a high Mm -hmm. expertise in one more than the other. So it's also really that you guys are so well-rounded, both on the education side, like you were mentioning, um, but also not that you're super educated about mm-hmm. the plants, but also sell some animal, you know, some pets on well, the side or super pet thing. But as soon as somebody yeah. has a pest problem with a plant, you're like, I don't know. We just get those in, you know, seeing, every once in a while. Chris, the seeing Chris and Franco work together is so amazing. Like they're such, they're such a great pairing because Franco, I mean, has all of this knowledge in his head and Chris just really like fosters and encourages that. And I mean, from uh, yeah, I, like Franco saying from the very beginning, I think Chris just saw how special Franco was and like really, Uh-oh. really pushed that. And I think it is it is both of them so importantly working together to like have created this thing that they have today is That's so awesome. cool. Absolutely. Well, for me, it all started and how the kind of like plants meet reptile is I started with orchids. Um, which is like I, what a what a what a niche thing for a beginner person to start with. <laughs> yeah, I, I, love it. Say, I love it. You didn't start with a traditional <laughs> golden pothos, right? <laughs> no, believe it or not, I was just fascinated by the allure of flowers, and I don't know. I started collecting orchids. There's a local orchid nursery to me by the name of Walt. The the Off family, their company is called Waldors. I've been shopping with them since I was 14 years old. <laughs> wow. there, was a time, there was a time in my life that I had a collection of over 600 orchids um, that I moved inside and outside of my parents' <laughs> house every season, <laughs> hang them in the trees. A hurricane would wa- roll through South Jersey. I'd be out there on a 10-foot ladder taking my orchids down in a hurry. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then it, that kind of molded into the weird terrarium species. Mm-hmm. So I was building these glass boxes, filling it with orchids. And then one day, a friend of mine was just like, why don't you put frogs in there? <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was just history. Right, you like know, mind, mind blown. Like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it all pairs together so mm-hmm. well. Um, that it was just an easy kind of transition. So, so how many different? Uh, obviously, you guys just we, we can get to that. I'm sorry if I'm skipping no, ahead please, in the story, but you guys, um, when I visited Philadelphia mm-hmm. a couple years ago with Miriam, um, you guys were in the old shop. You guys expanded to the new shop, which, from everything I've seen on Instagram at Ill Exotics, by the way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at at yeah. Ill Exotics on yeah. Instagram. Um, everything looks so much bigger. How many different types of, I want to say, things to purchase because it's just mm-hmm. so broad, but p- different species <laughs> well, of... And, and even just square of, foot, like what was the upgrade? Yeah, like what all are you so, offering and how has that grown throughout the years? Our old location, well, we started online. So I was doing online for two years before we opened the brick and mortar. Once we opened the brick and mortar, it was a really tiny um, space, but in a very upcoming and trendy area of Philadelphia. 
we partnered with a friend who was a florist and kind of we had two brands that were both tied together by nature that we wanted to put on the map. So we opened the old store, which was 600 square feet total, but we shared it between two companies. Um, now with the new location, we're around, I think like 2,200 square Woo! feet. Wow. Um, that's activities. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. So in this space, there are over 30 reptile habitats. Um, so that's, I would say the store has as many as 30 different species at one time. Um, ranging from, you know, ball python, leopard gecko to chameleon. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'd be equally as lossy. Brett already (laughs) has me a little bit lost in our greenhouses with how many new species of plants he's added. I feel like to me, I would walk by a lot of them and not to be insulting, but just be like, ooh, cool, another lizard. Um, Because that's honestly what I have to sometimes do in the greenhouse right now is just walk through through and go, oh, look, another plant Brett's working on (laughs) that I can't pronounce uh, or don't know how to. (laughs) What's your favorite part of what you're what you're doing right now and what, what have you liked about the new space? So in the new space, it's kind of what I was most excited for was community mm-hmm. and building that and focusing on that, offering educational classes, hosting plant swap. But unfortunately that's all kind of been on hold because mm-hmm. we opened during COVID. Um, so in the new space, what has been really enjoyable is just being able to showcase fully who we are. We have animals that are available for adoption and then also our animals that are our captive breeding efforts on display. So mm-hmm. that's super engaging. And then same with the plants. Right. I'm able to showcase such Please, a large talk variety. About, talk about your Ilarium. Yes, and showcase oh, the plants that we breed with. We yes. uh, we have them all in store in a giant 14 feet long, 10 foot tall, 4 feet deep. Um, we call it the Illarium, but it's basically just a large glass box that we built that houses a lot of my mother anthuriums, mother philodendrons, hoyas. And stuff that's all mounted on display to show people where these plants are coming from and that we breed with right here in the building. So it's a giant, basically giant walk-in terrarium. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just I I'm I'm dumbfounded yeah, by how Shane good of an speechless. idea this is. <laughs> no, because I mean it's the same kind of story we try to tell at our shop mm-hmm. too, which is always one of those hard things to how do you make that fit into a single sentence that for the most part, everything there is something that we grew mm-hmm. and we grew it really close by and here's the processes and here's, you know, why we go through extra processes right. at our greenhouses that perhaps other large scale Home Depot growers don't go through. But, you know, that's a lot kind of what you're saying with like the different um, super special um, reptiles, right? Like there's that when you get the full 15 minutes to talk to somebody, it's really neat. Yep. And once they can wrap their head around, mm-hmm. you know, what's kind of going on there is, you know, the kind of light bulb moment for a lot of people. So being able to like, just the way that you described visually showing like, no, 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 the, this is exactly, especially not having a huge greenhouse, but like, these are where the mother plants are. These mm-hmm. are the prop plants. You know, we try to do some of that yep. in our vlog content or like 
you know, behind the scenes content, but we don't have that ability to put it right in the store. So right. I got to give it to the customers to, to be able that to is... walk through and, and see it on the other side of the glass. Like these huge specimens yep. is, is amazing. And it's really cool. Cause when you grow from seed with Anthurium and you're selling a little Anthurium Weroquianum, the queen Anthurium, it's still a spectacle, tiny, right. but showing it also at full potential with four foot long leaves. Right there, also... right there next mm-hmm. to the babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and it gives you that perfect thing to walk over to. Mm Because, you know, it's another thing. We've talked about it even for shop, you know, because... And we try to do some transformation Tuesday posts. Zach, you're great at that. But, you know, we're just highlighting one at a time. So we've thought about before, you know brainstorming like we could have a book that just has photos of mature mm-hmm. things but yeah like even better if you could be like <laughs> actually if you want to walk over here i can exactly. show you towards the back you know what i mean like that is some next level yeah. stuff um you you mentioned you. growing from seed uh go and breeding what uh how long you've been doing that um and then and then also touch on uh your your greenhouse that you have in the city yes so the anthuriums really kind of took over me a little <laughs> bit. They, they, I know I said it all started with orchids, but anthuriums are a species that you get quicker satisfaction. Every new leaf is something <laughs> amazing, whereas orchids, you wait a year to see a flower again in most <laughs> and then a waiting again <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's not like exactly. even after you do a year of waiting like then you just get pretty flowers forever it's like no that 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 was the eight weeks <laughs> nope, you got you and, get them uh, for a, you get them yep you get them for a week in some orchids you get them for 48 hours <laughs> and then it's another year of waiting oh my goodness so i was introduced by anthurium there are two anthurium um just kind of, I don't know, I got one and started, uh, it kind of trickled into me attending the International Aeroid Society show. And that's where I was able to really connect with people like Enid Folter of NFC Tropical um, <laughs> and the Knock family, uh, Stephen Marie. Love. <laughs> and that's where I also met Brett for the first time in person Woo-hoo! was at the International Aeroid uh, Society show. Yep. And one of the things that really struck me that I thought was really interesting is the story of Anthurium Delta Force with um, Steve and Marie Knott and how they hybridized an Anthurium clarinervum with a Pedato or Anthurium Pedato, uh, Pedatum. Correct me if I'm wrong, Brett. Uh, Pedato Radium. Uh, yeah, Pedato Radium. Yep. And through the process of growing out the seedlings, they all look different. And being able to selectively uh, select based on traits, there's this beautiful specimen that they brought into existence. And I was fascinated by that plant and then really started to look into it myself and realized how simple it is Mm -hmm. to hybridize anthuriums. If you have the plant happy and the plant thriving, it'll produce an inflorescence. And it's something that everybody can do you know, in their own care. I do it right here in the Alarium, and I've helped customers pollinate their plants right at home on their windowsills. Yeah, and I mean, if if and if your anthurium is happy, it should be blooming year-round, usually. Yep. Um, which Typically, they alternate between a new leaf and an inflorescence. There you go. In terms of growth right, pattern. Right, right. Uh, um, so, after being know. in... 
after being inspired by Stephen Marie Knock, I just started collecting all the different anthuriums that I could get, and then also select uh, like types because the anthuriums are very variable, variable. So looking for like the darkest foliage or the most narrow foliage, and breeding with those specimens to create either an ideal anthurium warroquianum, if you will. Or a hybrid by crossing like Warroquianum with Luxurian to see what the heck happens. That's crazy. Absolutely nuts. So then, okay, so <laughs> you, do, you do that breeding and then where are you raising all those seedlings? So we have what we call the greenhouse. That's H-A-U-S. House. Um, in, <laughs> in the city. It's a warehouse. Uh, facility that we put a uh, big where, where, warehouse with an OU or <laughs> <laughs> warehouse <laughs> uh, uh, a warehouse that we put a big skylight in the center of and then we grow under LED yeah they retrofitted so the entire space yeah how Christian. much space is that He's that's about, I would say, probably like, uh, I want to say like 1,500 square feet. Whoa. So it's, it's like racks, like floor to ceiling and retrofitted yep. all, all lights. All and artificial lighting. Mm. Are you and that's also, go ahead. Are you keeping those lights on? Like, are you finding better growing because you're able to keep artificial lights on more often? Or are you basically just mimicking yeah. real life? So. I don't really, my plants don't really sleep in the winter. I kind of get growth year round because I'm able to manipulate those light cycles, mm -hmm. which is nice. Um, whereas I know, for example, for the people that grow outside in Florida in the wintertime, some, uh, sometimes their plants slow down. Or we'll throw off that balance of leaf to infrared. Like it will produce more foliage or not produce anything mm. but like get a little bit more or uh, just sit out exactly just, just sit there yeah just yeah basically like, yeah. yeah you tripped some type <laughs> of uh, anxiety here so i'm gonna chill for a second i'll get back to life when i feel like it but for now i'm gonna sit right here yes so in that space that's where we're able to germinate all the seedlings and then also that's how we're able to receive deliveries in the city um because being in Philadelphia, uh, when you order a truck of plants to be delivered, it's not fun uh, doing it on a small city street when, with when a those, lot of angry people. When those streets were designed with cobblestones meant for horses. Yeah, you know? yeah the, the tractor trailer from South Florida does not fit. <laughs> so we needed to figure out a way to receive orders as our business was growing. So that's kind of how the greenhouse came into existence. That's awesome. Because for I mean, that per, for No go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. I, I was go gonna ahead. say it came it came together for for that purpose, you know, to receive plants, to have them on deck, to serve as a quarantine for mm -hmm. plant deliveries and to give a general pest treatment just to be safe before they come into our store and go home to our customers and then also to grow. Yeah, to have, that, be, to have that space to actually be able to grow and produce seedlings and stuff. You're not limited like a lot of other plant shops to literally just their retail space. Exactly. 
And it's always nice when inevitably having a retail space, you're going to have that one plant that falls off the shelf, mm -hmm. has a problem, exactly. needs a little bit of TLC. So having that place to also take that inventory that you know isn't bad, but could use some extra attention and mm -hmm. having some Can place to do that. use some rehabilitation. Exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, what, what's been your, or what are you most looking forward to? I know one of the downsides as Brett's been hybridizing more Ethereum's for us, one of the downsides is not really a downside, but is that they take quite a long time to, to grow, to mm -hmm. grow out to being a shippable size or a shareable size. What, so I don't know how far along, how many different batches you have, but what what do you have your eye on of what you've hybridized so far? Um, one thing I'm trying to think, what I'm most excited for at the moment is actually uh, just a plant that I sell that's rather uncommon in cultivation, which is the Anthurium bessier, mm -hmm. the true species with uh. undulated uh, leaf edges. Um, it's something that I haven't really seen out there. It seems to be rather uncommon or rare, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, I think it's an awesome species. It's so beautiful. It's not very difficult to grow. So I'm excited to have seedlings of that that so, are growing up so to be you, able to share with the world. Did you self itself? Is that what I have? Yeah. Okay. So wow. he so he um, he pollinated the inflorescence of the Bessier with its own pollen to then get self seeds, basically. Now, exactly. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. We we have some of his breeding in our green, in my yeah, backyard. So right? uh, Franco reached out to me, I don't know, six, eight weeks ago, maybe at this point. Um, yeah. And you had a plethora of Anthurium bakeri, bakeri. Um, that had Correct. just germinated, just germinated. And so uh, we graciously uh, took them. And so they're growing out. They're still in their little sphagnum uh, Dixie cups. But um, dang, dude, there's no shortage of seeds. It's a forest of Anthurium <laughs> in, 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 in those two trays. Man, I mean, they're not super tall yet, it, Yeah, but it still looks impressive. I'd it looks like, like I'm growing microgreens in oh, my yeah. greenhouse right now. Like, like, two, like two, two more weeks, I'll probably spend, you know, a couple days pulling on them pulling them apart and, uh, and better you than up, me. But. I would, <laughs> I would die of a heart attack and be on the floor. <laughs> And once you plant them up, they really seem to take off. Okay. Um, once you take them out of sphagnum, get them in soil, hit them with a, a bit of fertilizer, and they explode. So now, do you germinate your anthurium seeds in straight sphagnum moss? So it depends. Okay. Um, I've, that's something that I've been experimenting with, with different species. If I get a batch of a lot of seed, I'll put a bunch in sphagnum i'll put a bunch directly on my potting mix um and experiment and see what's different mm -hmm. than how they grow in my experience for germination sphagnum seems to be the best mm -hmm. as to doing it directly into soil when i sow seed directly on soil they germinate but they seem to be very slow with foliage Interesting. um i don't know if yeah, they seem to take more time to develop root, um, but the root systems always look great. But they seem to be, have be a lot slower started for mm -hmm. some reason or another. But then when you take the one started in sphagnum and you then obviously at some point transplant, have to them. transplant them, is there shock associated with that? 
Not really. It's almost okay. kind of when I plant them, they seem to be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. <laughs> we're ready to grow. <laughs> That's actually exactly what they say. Because <laughs> that is what they're yes. going through. They're like, like geez, finally. <laughs> <laughs> And I think that's because uh, sphagnum moss isn't, you know, very nutrient rich. Right. So it seems like once you transplant it over, but for some reason, I know with Anthurium bestiae specifically that I germinated them directly in soil, they're very slow with foliage. Hmm. I'm not sure why. Um, what is, is there anything that uh, maybe hasn't worked out quite the way that you wanted? I, I can't wait to see some some real freaks there's, of nature come out of both your programs and ours as well <laughs> yes there's always that time when you think you you know when you time everything what seems to be perfect like for example i had weroquianum in flower and then i was uh lathering that spadix with luxuriant pollen uh. trying to make something unique <laughs> and different it seemed like it was going to take, it seemed solid. And then one day I'd come in and I look and the inflorescence is withered. Yep. Um, um, as so it, there's a uh, lot of problems of a breeder. Like yeah. my, <laughs> my heart, my heart goes out. To so, so is that just like, not, not to put poke fun at, obviously I don't want to like, you know, open it, pour salt in the wound or anything, <laughs> but like, is that a, is that a care problem or is that just no. like a natural process of sometimes when the plant goes, you know what? you know, maybe this isn't a good match or whatever and yeah. kind of like terminates exactly. the idea. I think it's, I think it's us as humans misreading anthesis windows as in like when yep. it's necessarily receptive. So like we think it's still receptive. So we jump on it and we give it the, you know, the match it needs. And really the plant we is like, late. nah, I was decided to, I decided to go home early instead of staying and getting that, third drink and going home with the with the male Ethereum. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 <laughs> One way yeah. of putting it. <laughs> and then that works too. Something that's very exciting that I did is with another species is Anthurium Carla Blackiae, which is a species that's um, very rare in nature. Um, I purchased my plant through Jay Vanini and the crew that studies them in the wild. And with a friend that I met on Instagram through the Aeroid community, I had a plant in flower. They collected pollen from theirs, and Dylan sent the pollen, and together we set seed on this species. And we grew out probably in total together like 50 specimens that we're now able to offer that are, you know, seed produced here in the United States and eliminate the needs for importing, eliminate the needs for the potential for this plant to be poached yeah, from yeah, its wild yeah, habitat. Exactly. Yeah, you never know. You never know um, not only where it could be harvested mm -hmm. from, but yeah, it's important to know who's also putting in the time and That's, effort too. Uh, I mean, exactly. tissue culture aside, any sort of sustainable, correct production of these really rare plants is ultimately helps the lessening of the poaching because right. think of something like philodendron spiritus sancti where there are five known plants left in the wild if we can get yep. not I'm not saying that we should or that we need to but if we hypothetically had a spiritus sancti in every person's home in america oh they'll end up there in backyards would, right and there would be no fear of someone going and stealing those five that are left because they're so exactly. readily available right right 
No, that's that's a good point. That, that and it's important to know where the plants come from. What um, I have a kind of different question too. Uh, going back to the shop, t- um, yeah. when I was in Philadelphia, I visited a couple of different plant shops, and you have some really cool ones up there. Describe um, maybe obviously COVID, like you mentioned, has really put a damper on not only you guys but us and everyone else as far as what you can offer on you know in person or having to limit you know, yeah. size of attendance and things, but what, what's what been some of your favorite parts? Describe the Philadelphia plant community for those who uh, who don't know about what all is up there, because you, you guys actually do have a, a really yeah, thriving, for sure. you know, scene up there from what I can see, but maybe you have some great perspective we could share with the listeners. Yeah, there's a great community here. There's so many different plant shops that are all unique in the city. And then the big communities around it, like we all have our, our Facebook groups of the Philly Plant Exchange, and there's always a plant swap happening. We're lucky to have Longwood Gardens not far from mm-hmm. us, which is a nice botanical garden to visit. And there's a lot of group trips that happen and going there. Um, but one thing that the city does lack is like some sort of nature, like we have the Museum of Natural Sciences, but we don't have anything botanical Mm -hmm. in the city. So one of our goals, my goal hasn't always been retail. You know, mine and Chris's big dream is to open a, you know, botanical garden of sorts that focuses on education, focuses on conservation, but also taking it to a step further and introducing reptiles and amphibians because they're a crucial Uh, part of the ecosystems where all of these plants that we love come from um we are we are one we are one in the same i like i love it i i absolutely love it (laughs) i mean your old apartment brett was the vivarium i know (laughs) thousands of of plants in a one-bedroom apartment and people would come on the weekends and i'd give them tours and uh, education and the only way he would move to central florida was if he put in the actual (laughs) legal employment uh, paperwork (laughs) that uh we would rehouse all of his plants in a portion of the greenhouse i told shane i said that's a real story I, i said i can sleep in a hammock outside but my plants need a house <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, it, that had to be i've seen written. your i've seen your instagram stories i need to come and visit y'all there it looks like brett has his own little botanical garden uh, yeah but, uh, yeah and we won't charge admission either you can just, <laughs> at least for you you can uh, you can visit but that's interesting that uh you know you don't have as much of the botanical i had, was able to fly out to denver earlier this summer mm-hmm. and like obviously they have a amazing botanical garden out there um but maybe we need to get in contact with philadelphia be like hey is the liberty <laughs> bell like done now can we flip it hilarious o- can we flip it over and use it as a big planter and showcase some <laughs> showcase some native wildlife that's awesome you're not gonna I mean, ring it, it again are you? <laughs> because so many people never get to see these things mm-hmm. they don't realize how magnificent these plants are how magnificent these reptiles are that exist in the natural world and I nothing think, beats, you know, having a child come in and just be completely inspired after and you, walking out And of you never store. know, you never know that that one, one moment that that five-year-old child 
takes with their parents on a whim one weekend to go and see your plants and your reptiles, how that could impact and literally change their life. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, the next. The rest of that's their the next. That's is, the next grower. Twenty five years from exactly. now, at that point, which and, is, and they'll tell that story of how they were at the Ill Exotics Conservatory, you know, when they were six, and they saw this yeah. this one panther chameleon on this philodendron, <laughs> and, and they knew that's what they wanted to do for the rest of their life. And I, I've always been like a little bit you know, just personal time. We obviously don't do anything hydroponic right now, but Mm -hmm. I just love what you're doing up there, Franco, because it's, in my mind, some of the most beautiful parts Mm -hmm. of plants, like to me personally, like what does Shane find joy in? One, connecting like technology into plants and, and better not only being able to care for the plant, but being able to better express the plant's, you know, story and what's going on with the plant in, you know, digital or that kind of way. And the other side of it is how all these different, like you're kind of mentioning, this is how it would be in the wild. I mean, hydroponics is one thing. Aquaponics is the next though. Mm -hmm. And now you're doing things that, yes, you could go buy the $400 filtration system and kit to do, Mm -hmm. or guess what? There's some parts of nature you could put in here and they actually do that naturally. So I think that especially when you're talking about sustainability in future cities, you know, as cities begin to expand and there's less and less space to build greenhouses. I mean, we even feel that pressure mm-hmm. in the properties that we own and we're very, very lucky, but by no means is it affordable or the right financial investment to try to buy any other property on our right. street because of just the area yeah. it's located in. We would have to, to be cost effective, move to the very few remaining outskirt areas mm-hmm. where there are, you know, just a flashing red light traffic light situations. And those are very far from where we are right now. And you're going to have that problem continue in cities, particularly because there's just, you're not going to get somebody to bulldoze a neighborhood just to build some greenhouses up there (laughs) or to build a botanical garden, right? Like your streets are already established. You may gain a botanical garden 45 minutes away at a nearby college, Mm -hmm. but there's not exactly a great place to put it in the middle of downtown Philadelphia as it stands right now. So I think that puts even more onus on the shops, you know, as much as you were saying, it's kind of sad that Philadelphia doesn't have that part of the community. It also like exactly. reinforces how important what you do is mm-hmm. because you are now it's that the educator. Sl- the slice of you are what now you can that, get. Yeah, yeah, you are that clear. I box. feel that I yeah. feel that niche. I feel that niche. Yeah, your your glass box in the shop, you know, it mm-hmm. is is showing processes and things that would be on the you know, Disney, you know, production tour, mm-hmm. you know, little ride thing or, you know, any other serious botanical garden or That's operation. What, that is what I was going to compare it to was living at the land, living at the land with, yeah. with Disney is it's very much like walk through and see the entire process. And it's not just a room with shelves with plants on it that you flip like it's mm-hmm. so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And, and there's heart behind it. I mean, nothing's worse than I, I will give the Denver Botanical Gardens mm-hmm. credit. I haven't yet met somebody there who clearly didn't want that job Mm. but nothing stinks more than being at a national park or something and having that question of like so what exactly kind of bear that is like to a park ranger who's like the guy who should and you know and he could care less about what he does so sometimes even if you do have a a botanical garden or uh, a nearby college or something that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to find the passion you may mm-hmm. even find the educational value but you may, may not find that same person kind of like how we lucked out zach with brett in general like 
he's not only incredibly smart in plants, but he's very, very gifted and has a more, most importantly, has a passion yeah, for sharing. Yeah, you can tell doing it. <laughs> yeah, you can tell by... He stays up here until 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. Like, anybody that doesn't love plants is not going to be doing that. And the 45-minute <laughs> video from Fairchild was cut down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ex- extremely cut down. <laughs> but he loves it, and that's what's important, because I'll take a teacher who loves it and will learn alongside, you know, the students mm. and has a passion for it then i will you know want to do it just because well you have the you know the badge of the botanical garden under your name to me i much rather find the person who's passionate about it anyways agreed one thousand percent um well now i have to ask you we we ask every guest of the podcast um kind (laughs) of an a question because i think it's important that as we uh you know talk with especially guests um that are other growers Mm -hmm. and experts in um growing and in the plant you know, industry, I think that there's a common misconception that us as professionals, quote unquote, uh, <laughs> air quotes, uh, don't in, don't encounter and make tragic mistakes <laughs> that, uh, you know, right. we wouldn't we, want a, to admit. A lot of people will put on the facade of like, oh, I've been doing this for 20 yeah. years. Everything is wonderful. And, and, and I'm sure you're just like us where the uh, amount of advice and DMs and different questions that get, you know, asked every single week, you know, it does kind of come across when we answer those Q and A's that we know the answer to each one of these things. But I think people are often surprised by how common it is to mess something up. Maybe not even a pest, but just, Mm -hmm. you know, mess some part of the process up. So do you, I got to know what's your most embarrassing plant failure that you can recall (laughs) that you would feel comfortable admitting. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a good reminder that we're all growing together because, and and the the spoiler alert to the point afterwards is you learned something through the process. Mm -hmm. Like the point of bringing that up is to say, you also learned through it, worked through it, and you're better off because of it. And and problems aren't something to fear, but Mm -hmm. what is your worst problem or worst one that you want to admit? Hmm. <laughs> so, in terms of plants, I would say in the beginning, one of the things that I've done that is the scariest, and it was propagating uh, stuff like a philodendron spiritus sancti. Um, <laughs> I cut my big specimen that I grew from. Well, let me give you the full quick backstory. <laughs> So we, we moved locations, uh, we moved our apartments to live above our retail store, and I had to move this plant that has been established in its old conditions for, you know, three years of growth. It was like, had aerial roots attached to the wall, and then I had to move it. When I moved it, the plant kind of got very, it kind of freaked out, you know, it leaves dropped. And then um, it kind of like pests came in, like finding spider mites on the spirit of sanctity is not fun. And then (laughs) treating that and then the plant just kind of was a little wonky. So I was like, all right, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to I'm going to propagate. this. So I cut its head off um, and potted it down and it. I don't, I don't know if that was the right decision because my specimen that had 16 gorgeous leaves now has three. Oh, no. And is slowly, I think it's settling, but the fear of killing that 
and losing that in the process was definitely petrifying. And it's like, a da- it's like an, a daily, all day, forever consuming anxiety. Yeah, I was going to say, that's just like uh, not yeah, sleeping for 60 days. I yeah. think about it constantly and I always go and look at it and I'm like, hey, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like tending, it's like tending to a newborn child, just making sure that these things thrive. Um, but I would say I kind of regret cutting it the, uh, when I did. Um, because it is such a, you know, the almost like it's a, such a delicate plant mm-hmm. and just trying to get that to establish, but hopefully fingers crossed, all will, all will be okay in that regard. But definitely what I would say is make sure you air layer when you propagate. Things. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, um, you know, make sure you take the time to let the plants tell you when it is the proper time to do so. Don't ever act in panic. Um, yeah, and I like that. Yeah, thriving. I like that you brought up spirit of sanctity too, as as one of those things because it highlights a, a good point. I think people oftentimes forget, even though we talk about it somewhat frequently on the podcast, which is like not that it isn't overcome. Mm-hmm. The industry one hundred percent finds ways to overcome these challenges, mm-hmm. but typically the ones that have, or at least even looking in the past uh, three years, the plants that have become hot are typically the ones that are not easy to produce, Mm -hmm. like both on a not viable or not speedy or quick in TC or reliable for variegation or other reasons in a TC-like environment. And otherwise, they're just being too few species out there to start with or like too few of the species in Mm. existence to start cultivating with. Or you have plants that are just straight hard to propagate, and even the best growers mm-hmm. know they're running up 50-50 shot on each one of the nodes as they split it, you yep. know, split it out. There are definitely plants like that. And um, And that's something I tell every customer. I was like, growing plants, you know, in our homes is for if you look at it simply, kind of one big experiment. Yes. Mm. Even though I've been growing plants for over 10 years now, I still kill a few here and there. It's a part of the learning process and growing these things. So I always tell people, if you buy a plant and it doesn't thrive, and it, uh, you know, don't get discouraged, mm-hmm. learn from it. Figure out why it's uh, what it, like so many... For, aspiring plant people, if you will. Um, I always tell them when they come into the store, I was like, the most valuable pieces of information you could bring us as a plant shop is what weighs your window space. Because mm-hmm. lighting is, you know, I would say 70, 80% of the battle in some cases with growing plants in your home. Especially so really, in cities, you know, where your home exactly. is maybe even an apartment or something smaller mm. with less windows than a typical home. Mm. Yep. Yeah. No, th- so, that's, that's some really good points. It, 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 is there any other advice that you would want to give uh, any of the listeners in general for their ongoing growth and growing as both growers themselves and as plant fans and passionate plant people? I would say what i what i yeah as a tip what why am i struggling right now (laughs) with words (laughs) um is if you find a group of species that you're passionate about such as anthurium all it takes is one individual to cultivate them well and to produce seed to 
eliminate the pressures to wild collect these things. Mm-hmm. And so if you like it, the same goes for reptiles as it is for plants, all it takes is one person to produce a fabulous captive breeding effort and uh, offer sustainable captive raised individuals to eliminate all of these wild pressures. Yeah. So if it's something you love and you're really passionate about it, go gung ho for it. You know, dedicate that time, educate yourself, reach out to other people that are doing it similarly and learn. Because if we all work together, we can all conserve this natural world that we are beginning to lose. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> preach. Uh, uh, not, right, I'm like tearing up. Like, that yeah. was so, it's so good because it's so true. It's, yeah. And not only like the need to make sure that we take care of the earth that we live in, but also realize that like, there's so much joy that comes mm-hmm. with taking the one plant you have and being able to yourself get your mom one right. for her, you know, for next yeah. Mother's Day. And I promise you, if you start planting that... To propagate that, and to share. Yeah. If, if, <laughs> if, if you plant that right now, it will be ready in time for Mother's Day. Uh, but you can't think about exactly. that. You, you can't think about that the week ahead of time. But I personally as somebody who's done it professionally and, you know, in personal life, like I find nothing more, whether it's pulling garden vegetables and being like, Hey, I have too many green beans. Who wants these green beans that I grew? Uh, nobody. Okay. Well, everyone's taking home green beans anyways. Surprise. Uh, or, or with plants that, you know, like you're saying, all it takes is, is diving into that passion, whether it's taking a couple prop, you know, taking a couple cuttings, soil propping, water propping, you know, whatever, experiment with all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but taking one plant, making it into two, and then being able to furthermore share that with somebody else and see their smile mm-hmm. is, yeah, it's it's where the whole exactly. picture comes together as just joyful. Cultivating happiness is what I like to call it. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I love too. Like I love seeing people come in that are truly inspired by certain plants and some rare plants, if you will. But it's also sometimes discouraging due to prices Mm -hmm. in this market. Um, And that's why I love growing and cultivating because I'm known for customers that come in the store that are really passionate about, you know, their Anthurium crystallinum that they got. And they're like, you know, I'd really love to try to go grow Anthurium beachii. And then I'm like, hold on, I'll be right back. And I pull out a little VGI seedling and we'll gift it to them to facilitate, you know, cultivating uh, these plants and doing things like Instagram giveaways to making some of these rare plants more accessible for people. Because, you know, I don't grow and collect these rare things and anthuriums because they're expensive. Yes, I have a business to run, but I genuinely enjoy growing and cultivating and propagating these species and making them more accessible. That's what we want to do. And through doing that, it is, it, I like to think that it's a level of conservation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. While also being able to provide for y- you and your family and, exactly. um, and those who are on your team there. Well, listen, it's been exactly. amazing having you as a guest, Franco. You're always welcome back on the podcast anytime. I'm sure if uh-huh. I was not here, you and Brett could have hour-long... <laughs> like we could, Me and Zach could both just leave for lunch right now and come back to another two hours recorded. Uh, but it, it's been really fun yeah. having you. and you know, it's, You've been a huge part of the plant community. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to do some uh, giveaways soon here in the future uh, together as well, because uh, we're about that too, yeah. 
and that's kind of why we've tried mm -hmm. to highlight Gabby and some of the other things that are just hard to get in stock because we're going to end up releasing less than like 300 of them this year or something mm -hmm. like that. So yeah, yeah. The if that's less than per calendar days, if right. you want to look at it that way. Um, exactly. So, you know, I, but those are, this interview has been so cool because it's exactly what the plant community it, like should be aiming for. Mm -hmm. This should be the model of come in, even if like you're saying, you still have a business to run, come in with the passion, mm -hmm. stick to the thing that you, you I mean, you were on the, the reptile game before the 2026 mm -hmm. reptile craze, <laughs> you know, not that yeah. I'm calling it, but you know what I mean? Like, and stay passionate in the thing that, that means a lot to you and that you enjoy doing and you're going to be happier. Your customers are going to be happier. And I love, I love the story of giving away free, like the free little seedling too. Cause that's also one of those moments of joy where whether it's them coming back with different questions or just four years later exactly. at some random plant show, somebody coming up and being like, oh, Franco, here, I wanted to show you this yes. photo. And they're running up to you with like, you know, what is now an eight inch, you know, VGI sitting there just in its full yeah. glory. And and that is, like I was saying, the, the most joy you could ever have. So, uh, especially it's as a amazing. girl. amazing. And taking, you know, just to relate back to, like I said, of just finding a passion doesn't have to be plants doesn't have to be reptiles it could be anything and just devoting yourself to it taking risks like i said i opened this business you know with nothing on a credit card mm -hmm. thank you american express for <laughs> believing in me okay <laughs> um, <laughs> but all it takes is for you to do something well and you know really hone the skill and people will notice and people will support that. And if you're passionate about something, nothing beats working for yourself and being able to share what you love. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. We'll have to have you back sometime soon. And uh, for any of our listeners who want to go follow and keep up with mm -hmm. everything they're doing, uh, you're definitely going to want to go check out their Instagram page at Illexotics. Right. And then um, it's illexotics.com on online. You want to spell it real quick too, just in, in case? www.illexotics.com. All right. Well, awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Franco. And uh, we'll have to catch Thank up you for with having. you again sometime soon. We'll see you soon. Thank you much. Bye, Franco. Till next time. Bye. Till next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>so guys yeah that was that's good um yeah man it's so cool like i was kind of saying towards the end there and obviously stumbling over my words it's monday i got a lot on my mind <laughs> uh but you know it's so cool my my personal like interest has always been peaked in any of the people who have <clears throat> apparently something struck in my throat uh but kind of have like two interwoven like mm -hmm. interests or passions. I, I well, would say like didn't... businesses, but like not just because any business can go sell 14 different right. types of things. Well, and he but didn't, the he didn't touch on it because two things. he didn't touch on it because I mean, it's kind of, it wasn't like in theme, so I didn't bring it up, but he, he's actually bred seahorses before. So, I mean, his range of call him back his range of <laughs> his range of expertise goes like outside even just these dial him back and then we'll just add to the end of the <laughs> so, yeah, so, so about the? these seahorses um, <laughs> no but for real that's crazy yeah. but yeah i was just saying that the, anytime you can get those like where you can 
make two processes. You're producing two different mm-hmm. goods and b- brownie points, bonus points to be able to have those be like symbiotic relationships mm-hmm. and working alongside each other in a lot of the ways that they do because reptiles like exactly. light and humidity and, you know, places to chill in foliage, you know, surrounding yeah. them and stuff. So it's, it's, it's a really neat thing that lets them showcase both things that they're able to do up there. And I, yeah, I, I never even realized that, that was a thing. I mean, I grew up with reptiles and I would throw fake plants. Ugh, in, I know. In but there it's true. Because, that's, yeah. Cause that's it's like, the... all right, well, this looks natural. Right. I didn't even yeah. think of, well, I could have real plants mm-hmm. in here and well, actually create the environment yeah it's what's on the shelf at petco they don't right, have yeah. live plants there normally so right. that's crazy but like yeah he's he's been a huge part of the plant community since i mm-hmm. started i'd say joined but you know started figuring out that the plant community existed online eventually joined but uh <laughs> he, he's been doing amazing stuff and his shop was really cool although it was definitely one of those moments where um especially because it was several years ago it was in mm-hmm. the early early days of gabriella where like he was looking at me like he 100 percent knew who I was. And <laughs> I was looking at him like, to be honest, I've only ever looked at like your Instagram. <laughs> like, you know, stories wouldn't mm-hmm. be the only thing that would have like your face on it that I can find really quickly here. Mm. Um, and so I didn't introduce myself at that time, which is <laughs> just, kind of just a, a really like awkward gaze. Yeah, yeah but he's, yeah. Been, he's come to the greenhouses and you've yeah, no, around, no, no. So, Since yeah. then, yeah, he's definitely come to the greenhouses. He's toured around, seen, seen, mm-hmm. seen what we're doing, and we've obviously been work uh, growing out some of the seedlings mm-hmm. he shared with us and. Um, some of those things. So it's been cool to see our our friendship mm. with Franco and, and well, yeah, yeah he's he's tool. one of my best friends. So yeah, yeah, he's great. It, it's really cool to see what they've done with that new shop. I mean, it's just a beautiful mm. space too. I mean, it's one thing to have a shop, one thing to do the two cool things or whatever. It's nothing to just make it. It's an beautiful. experience. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, have yeah, to experience. get some photos from it to. to I post thought you were going to try to post that. Yeah, like we got to send Zach up there to film it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's trying yeah. to get a free trip to Philadelphia. <laughs> this thing, don't you? Oh man. Um, well, anyways, guys, anything else we want to um, plug at the end of the podcast here? Um, shop is open on Sundays. Yeah, shop's open on Sundays. If you're in Central Florida and want to come visit, one to six. Um, one to six. Located over the four seventeen and Aloma, uh, you can find directions and stuff at gabrielleplantshop.com and yeah you go see Brett over there uh Zach great job on last week's vlog um lots of other media projects coming up and uh mm-hmm. super excited about that uh that the beginning where Migs gives away the free car uh <laughs> just got me because you hadn't sent the title I don't think or like I wasn't viewing it in the yeah. context of the title and the video just starts and it does that clip and I was like oh, I just died laughing it was, like, <laughs> it was exactly what I needed by the time my brain hurt on like Friday morning That's uh, awesome. so thank you for for yeah, being that was I filmed that like an hour before I finished the video too I just went over there I was like I I need something random to start this video I was like Migs you're giving away a free car <laughs> <laughs> well it, it worked it, it made me laugh so uh amazing job and uh yeah some other things are in the works guys mm-hmm. stay tuned on gabriella growers club we'll probably do a whole podcast on that here in the coming weeks because that's <laughs> getting very very close um most likely around around Black you're Friday. bad at leaking things that yes. are supposed to stay hidden um no 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 i got the green light i got the green light <laughs> okay, there. Okay. Talk about it yeah. I, I know what I can and can't okay. say. I've, I've, I've been told. <laughs> um, yeah, it's amazing when I have teams that tell me uh, exactly what they need. Uh, so I, I, I don't make any mistakes. It's, just, it's better off that way. But anyways, thanks for uh, listening, guys, to this week's uh, Every Plant Story podcast. If you want to learn more about us at Gabriella Plants, you can visit our website, gabriellaplants.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can follow us at on Instagram at Every Plant Story. And if you have any feedback about this episode, 
episode or questions you'd like to see us address, uh, feel free to shoot those in an email to feedback at everyplantstory.com. And with that, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye, guys. See ya. Thank you.